0: when we start talking. This is when we all start talking. (laughs) Hey, hey, hey. All right, we're going live. Hey, welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. We do this just because it gives Creighton a heart attack and and leading into the show, he's reminding everyone. And at five, we got to be quiet. Anyway, again, welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams. I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. I think it's the greatest church in the world. It's called Calvary 316. If you're local, check us out one Sunday. Our Sunday service is at 1030. If you're not local, uh, check us out anyway online. Our service is live streamed uh, both on uh, YouTube, calvary316.live, as well as the church Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash calvary316. You can learn all about the church by visiting the church website, calvary316.com. Uh, as mentioned, my name is Zach Adams. I And married to the most wonderful woman in the world, uh, Miss Jessica Adams. I'm the proud papa of three, Quincy, Theodore, and Mabel. And I'm so glad that you're joining us, the Outlaw Radio Show. Um, There's kind of two different um, media uh, apparatuses that we kind of stream out to. Uh, First, we live stream uh, the show every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. The live stream is then podcasted uh, on Thursday, Apple, Google, Spotify. So this is a podcast, if you're listening. Uh, on the audio. Check out the live stream. Again, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. We live stream on both uh, YouTube as well as Facebook. Uh, The easy link to the Facebook is facebook.com slash the radio outlaw. The easy uh, quick link to uh, our YouTube channel is outlawradio.live. I I do want to say up front that if you do watch the show, uh, help us out by providing a little bit of feedback. Uh, We're really kind of going back and forth as to whether or not we're going to continue uh, to stream on Facebook, not to get into all of the nitty gritty, but streaming to Facebook is, is it's problematic. Um, It's not always smooth. It ends up getting choppy. It interrupts the feed. We've had no problems uh, when we stream just to YouTube, but we stream to both and that causes some complications. So if you, uh, if you're a YouTuber, let us know if you're Facebook and you really want to see it live stream to facebook and just not having the video posted later uh, let us know that as well uh, all that being said uh, i am joined in studio by the producer mr creighton vaughn creighton we got a little bit of a different camera angle on you uh how are you today i am doing well welcome
1: everyone to my weekly reminder that to be like jesus is to be long-suffering <laughs> to be long-suffering yes. <laughs> Hello. This is, this is your weekly reminder of yes. that yes this. yes the, it is the this outlaw radio show this is it because Every week I try and be,
2: you know. You try to be professional. I try to be professional. I try really hard. Is so I know. So I know. this
0: is, this is the, you're part of the persecuted church. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I am a persecuted Christian. You're going to know if I'm <laughs> part of the
1: persecuted church. <laughs> Understood.
0: Um, so one of the things that was brought to our attention is that if, uh, if you're watching live, and let's say you, you tune in halfway into the show, uh, you might get a little confused as to what we're talking about. Uh, I'm going to do a better job moving forward of repeating uh, the topic um, you know, at, at various points so that if you if you do tune in, uh, you can understand what we're talking about. But Creighton, you're going to start doing something a little different as well to try to
2: yes. help that issue.
0: Uh, once I introduce the
1: topic, which I will be doing in the next uh, few minutes or so, um, I'm also going to post what the topic is onto the comments on both YouTube and Facebook. Um, so if you're tuning in later on, check the comments. I will have a comment at the top um, that will explain what we're talking about. Um, and that may help you get up to speed, especially if someone is on a diatribe about something not related. Uh, it may that give you some happens. context. That never about happens what we're at talking all. About. Uh, we're we're yeah. very
0: disciplined in what we're discussing disciplined. Here on, the, uh, on the outlaw radio show. Well, with that being said, this show is uh, unscripted. I think it's what makes the outlaw radio show a bit unique. Uh, I have no idea what we're talking about tonight. Uh, I... Won't know until Creighton uh, drops the topic here in a few minutes. And then it's my job to turn that topic into a Bible study. To do that, uh, I am joined in studio, uh, not only by Creighton, but by a group of friends. It's their job to help me turn the topic into a a Bible study by having kind of a conversation about it. I'm joined tonight in studio by uh, Mr. Nicholas Monty, uh, Dill Daddy Derek, Spice Daddy. And again, in studio, uh, second time, Mr. Larry Parkin we'll start with you larry how you doing brother wonderful
2: a busy day long day long day a lot of driving but that's uh that's my job
0: so you're gonna be uh you're taking really you're kind of the kind of the alternate right now uh when a guy can't make it you're kind of stepping in and your son kyle wasn't able to make it and so so here i am yeah i'm we're bringing in the guns i've been i've been (laughs) called up you have been called up from triple a uh spice daddy how are you my friend doing good Busy week? Good week? Yep. Clean week? Clean? Uh, I guess. Again, if you're listening on the podcast, uh, this is a little difficult to conceptualize, but for those watching, uh, you have trimmed up the beard, I see. Yeah, I was getting hot. so. Now, did you did you, did you you shave the head? I did. So you got the shaved head and the yeah. beard look Woo. going. Trim it up and then... Put that back when on. Starts you're blinding getting, us. Yeah, when it starts
3: getting <laughs> a little cooler, I'll... I'll just let it all go. So you, so you, you winterize. Yeah, I got to get my winter beard going. <laughs> when do you start the winter beard? Uh, about the time it starts cooling off. So I'd say probably around September, October, somewhere around then.
0: I have never known anyone to describe September in Georgia as being anything but stifling hot. Well, <laughs> it's not as
3: stifling hot with the beard. During those,
0: so maybe October the beard. Yeah, it's really October, (laughs) probably. Okay, you know, deal daddy, how you be, brother? Good, keeping my neck
4: clean. We're good out here. So, you uh, you were (laughs) you were uh, you've been under the weather a little bit. You feeling good? I was, yeah. That was a rough three days, and then right after that, kind of just went directly away. So, we're good. Well,
0: good. We're glad you're feeling
4: better, and Mr. Monty. I'm
0: always good. Always doing well. You're looking <laughs> clean too, man. High and tight on the sides. High and tight. Tried
5: something new for the first time yeah. in a few years. Yeah, turn turn the head
0: a little bit. Yeah, looking oh, clean. Yeah. The question is: Is does does your wife look? Does she like it? She's got to get used to it. Is what she told she me. Has, oh my goodness! Same haircut. So they're going through it. <laughs> oh, they're they're uh, they're, high, they're high, both baby. going through it together. You one to two. It's it's it very it's it's kind of like a hurt locker haircut.
1: Yeah, care. a bit. Yeah, and a if you guys not? if you guys start looking as much alike as your wives, I'm gonna have a problem.
0: Well, he's got
5: tattoos. on Yeah, tattoos that's on how,
1: the that's arms. That's how Larry's always. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll just bring. We'll just
3: bring a, a sharpie or something next week, yeah. and we can <laughs> <laughs> scribbles. Yeah, name tag. Good grief!
0: <laughs> All right. Well, before we get into uh, the topic, before you introduce the topic, I, I did want to share. I had a very cool experience. Um. <clears throat> Yesterday, actually, I just wanted to share. It was very touching. Um, So, again, if you've been watching, listening, uh, you're aware that um, uh, I went through a a health crisis at the beginning of the year, and it put me in the hospital, put me in a coma, um, had COVID, and uh, really brought me all the way to to death's doorstep. Uh, Jesus intervened. um, The power of prayer, really the power of prayer. Uh, God made the decision that it wasn't my time. Um, I've done an episode to kind of recount some of those details. Um, literally, I was at 55% uh, oxygen um, on one day, was going to die. And then the next day, uh, lungs that were incredibly damaged, somehow filled with air. Uh, and it, my numbers tr- jumped up to 98.5 and I woke up and literally the Lord healed me. It was It's it's an astounding thing. and, and But the reason I bring it up is that unbeknownst to me, so... Uh, the people that live to the right of, of Jessica and I, uh, the house to the right of us, um, that house, since we've moved in seven years ago, there's been five different people that have lived in it. Uh, the couple that are living in the house now, older, fe- older fella, his wife, uh, uh, really nice people. We didn't really know them much, uh, would talk to them occasionally. Uh, just pleasantries for the most part. Uh, again, they didn't have kids, had grandkids, but not really our kids' age, so there wasn't a lot of, of commonality. Uh, reasons to cross paths uh, but just you know nice folks well uh, they had heard uh, what what had happened to me and um, and so uh, Karen uh, she's she's Catholic she has a group of ladies that come over to her house and I think it's every other Tuesday for a prayer meeting and um, and she told these ladies what was happening to her neighbor and what we were going through. And she was providing them updates. She was actually following my dad's Facebook page. She had found it. And so she was getting updates through that. And then later she came over and would talk to Jessica and get updates that way. Um, but these, this group of, of uh, five or six little old ladies, and I say little old ladies not to be disparaging, they're the cutest group of, of ladies in the world. Uh, but they have, they have faithfully been praying for me for months. They've never met me. Um, don't go to my church, uh, don't listen or know about Outlaw Radio. Um, I mean, no, no context, no connection, um, and yet they, they, for whatever reason, their heartstrings were pulled, and, and they have just faithfully prayed for me. And not only did they, but they let everybody they know to pray for me. Uh, just a cool thing. Well, yesterday they met, and they invited me to come over uh, to say hello and to meet them. And, uh, and so I went over before I had to go to therapy, I went over and, and met this this little group of of saints uh, that had been praying for me, and there wasn't a dry eye in in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was such a sweet thing. And I told them, I said, you know, the power of prayer. There, This is an example of the power of prayer. And so I just wanted to say, just kind of with that in mind, uh, for all those that are either listening or watching, uh, there is power in prayer. I'm a walking, living example of it, but I'm one of many. I'm one of many. I'm sure you... And, and, and many of the people you know have examples uh, of miracles and the Lord intervening uh, and doing amazing things. Um, and yet it's, it's I, I told the story of, you know, in the book of Acts, Peter gets arrested. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the story, but Peter gets arrested. And there's this, this prayer meeting that they have. So they're praying for Peter to be released from prison. You know, they're praying for his, his safety. And what happens that night, the Lord sends an angel, uh, breaks Peter out of jail, and Peter comes to the house. And he's knocking on the front door, and no one comes. But this little slave girl, and she comes, and uh, and she goes running in without even letting him in, saying, "Hey, Peter's at the door. Peter's at the door." They're praying for Peter's release. Peter's supernatural released. He's at the door, and they're like, "Shut up, little girl. Uh, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, we're praying for Peter to be released." You know, Oh, ye of little faith," and uh, and Peter's at the door the whole time. You know, and and I told these these ladies, I said, you know, sometimes it's it's good for for us to open the door and see those moments when the Lord does answer our prayers um, to see that Peter is at the door uh, so that we pray and that when our prayers aren't immediately answered, that doesn't mean we give up on our prayers. We pray for the Lord's will to be accomplished, but we persevere. We continue to pray. And uh, I just was so blessed by it. I kind of had to share this little story. Uh, I was talking to my dad. I told him about it and he was like, you don't realize how many people are praying for you. I said, I know that and I'll spend a lifetime Thanking people um, at the same time. I, I'm going to start with the, you know, the six ladies next door, you <laughs> know, going over and saying, thank you. Um, and again, cool. they, they had seen pictures of me um in, in pretty bad shape. And when I walked in the door, it was just, oh my goodness, you look so much better. And, <laughs> and, and, and it was yeah. just, it was, it was such a neat experience. And um, I just wanted to articulate that. Well, I bloviated too long, Creighton. What are we going to talk about tonight? Oh,
1: Right. So, tonight, uh, I want to talk about um, one of those Christianese words that you gets thrown around a lot. Define um, Christianese. Right. If you're not well-versed in Christianese, you may not have heard the word Christianese. It's basically just a term to describe uh, words that Christians use a lot that you may not hear either in the same context or at all in the secular world.
0: Like my favorite Christianese, mm-hmm. and like the example of Christianese, is when someone says... Hey, man, Justin, dude, that guy is on fire. Yes. It's like <laughs> in the Christian world, you understand what that means. Mm-hmm. You know, it means that, you know, he's filled with the Holy Spirit and he's really excited about the Lord. And, you know, he's, is he's,
3: it, is it bad that my first instinct is to go to NBA jam?
0: Right. <laughs> he's on fire. Right. Um, but that's how most people like without a Christian understanding, to say, yeah, that guy's on fire, it'd be like someone should deal with that quickly. <laughs> right. They're on fire. Uh, so, Christianese, right? So, this will be one of those words that
1: um, has a very common secular uh, definition, and it's used very often in the Christian circles. They mean very different things, um, and I think that the that Christians use the word a lot, but like what it actually means is something that we don't think about or talk about enough. And the word is uh, witness. And that is both what it means, what I wanna talk about today is what it means to have a witness as well as what it means to be a witness and what are the, what is, what's the difference? Like what does it mean to be a witness? What does it mean to have a witness? Why do we use this word witness so much? Um, because it shows up everywhere. I've heard the word probably 15,000 times in my life um, and I have a working definition of it. Like, I know what, it, like I know what it means. I know what it means. Well, why don't you but start what does there? It mean?
0: Give us the working definition and, okay. and we'll kind of build off of
1: that. So my working definition of a witness would be, um, it is your one, I'm going to use more. I'm trying, I'm trying to filter out the Christianese in my head. Cause I want to say it's your living testimony of Jesus Christ to the world around you, which is probably true, but it's not a good definition. Um, a witness is the way that the world perceives you and subsequently how they perceive Jesus through you is what okay, your witness is. I like that. Um, yeah. But what is like, once again, that's still a bit high concept.
0: Well, let's start, let's break it down a bit, you know? Let, yeah, no, I think that's a great topic. And, and let's start with, um, what would again, be a true understanding of, of the word witness, um, and, and it is action sense. It's, it's. It's, you know, in its activity, uh, what does it mean to be a witness? And I, th- I think what would be fun to kind of start with this, um, and again, we're, we're kind of all flying off the cuff here because we just were introduced to this topic. Um, but let's talk about like witnessing, like stories of like going and witnessing, because mm-hmm. obviously there's, there's a, a manifestation. When, when you talk about witnessing, one of the first things that jumps into people's mind are going door to door witnessing. You know, door to door evangelism, you know, you, you go to someone's door, you knock on the door, they answer, you say, Hey, do you have a few minutes? I'd like to tell you about Jesus or something to that effect. Or, or so you think about the Mormons or the Jehovah witnesses. often. yeah. Uh, and then people will also like right off the bat, think of, um, uh, the really obnoxious people outside of sporting events, the yellers, the yellers, you know, the people with the megaphones and the, um, the big cardboard cutouts that they wear um, messages are often relegated to Turner burn, get right or get left. Uh, you know, you're going to hell. The world's going to hell, that type of thing. Um, or just yelling at people. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when, when I was growing up, I, th- I thought of, and it was always the intimidation factor of like, you know, you go on a mission trip and you'd go, <clears throat> you're going to go witness. So you'd go to a park and you'd have to approach people. Um, you know, to tell them about Jesus and how intimidating that was. Mm-hmm. In my mind, that's what I think of witnessing. I have a few witnessing stories, uh, but I thought it might be fun to throw it you guys' direction. Just, again, we're going to talk about at some point here um, how, how we're to be a witness and that being a witness is a much different thing than witnessing. So there's the state of being as opposed to the activity. Let's, though, take a moment and talk about the activity Um, Derek, let's start with you because I know you've shared this before about just growing up youth ministry, uh, opportunities to witness the kind of the impact that that had on you. So let's start there and then maybe share a few stories or examples of witnessing um, in that action category.
4: Yeah, I'm very thankful for, you know, I've said that before, that I'm very thankful for the experiences that we did have because we would do like different D-Now groups or different little things that we'd go to, like, the Mall of Georgia or go to the uh, Hamilton Mill, like, Duncan Creek the Skate Park and playing volleyball and stuff. And it would kind of just they'd send you out and like sometimes it would be like hey you know we're out here with so and so church we're doing this is there anything we can pray for you about and that may lead into giving a testimony or talking with somebody nine times out of ten though it really led to there i mean they would just kind of not teach you how to walk with the lord or walk in the spirit or anything like that but you're walking around for me constantly praying just thinking like all right lord if it's your will to show me somebody please show me somebody and then there would usually be somebody to go up and talk to. You go up and talk to them all of a sudden, bam, start bawling. They just start crying. Like, hey, can I pray for you? Bam. And then you pray for them. You're able to talk a little bit. And uh, that was always a really cool bam. experience. But even now, like, with my tattoos, as far as, like, being a witness, this is just an outward declaration of what the Lord has done in my life. So every time that it's people have asked me, hey, what's your tattoos? I'm just able to give a little bit of my testimony right there in that moment. Sometimes just led to talking with other people, or talking longer than just that, and other times just, just shutting down. Uh, beef ramen noodles and chicken ramen. <laughs> right, no, right, right, no, right. right. No, it's a liar. It's Hebrew for those yeah. that maybe are listening on the podcast. you has got this yeah. Hebrew lettering on it's both forearms. Hebrew. It's the, on the left arm. It's liar, drunkard, and fornicator, and on the right arm, it's forgiven, saved, and redeemed. It's just as outward declaration of the testimony of what the Lord has done in my life. Yeah, right. And for me, it was really important to have it on the outside because it was something that I wasn't necessarily struggling with on the inside but i was like you know what this is important to me and i want this because i look at it every time and i'm like it just makes me thankful thankful for what the lord's done in my life for what you know he continues to do in my life so that's as far as in uh, i guess in the experience of witnessing and what that means that's kind of some of the experience that i've had uh spice daddy what about you uh i mean I guess I've
3: had the opportunity to do it several different ways. Yeah, for sure. Um, you... Several different countries too. So I've had to uh, share a
0: few experiences.
3: <laughs> well, one of the first ones I remember just, uh, and, and after having traveled more now, uh, I remember back in high school, uh, we, we took a trip down to Central America and we went door to door out in the middle of nowhere and, and talked to people about Jesus with it through a translator and, looking back on it and after having traveled a lot of times those people don't really care they just they're interested to see a foreigner and <laughs> and so you kind of get that exposure to it uh but what's been cool traveling by myself to other places is the opportunities that just came about uh, uh i remember when i was living in kenya we did that a couple times but you know we i just remember one day just being at we'd go to this uh little uh, sports bar that we found and they made, uh, we taught them how to make chili cheese fries and they, they <laughs> named the dish after us so it was, it was kind of nice. cool but uh, I just got to talking with this one guy that was there, he was drunk, I was young so I wasn't drinking at that time but uh, <laughs> but uh, he, was, he was drunk or not really drunk but he had been drinking and I got to talk to him just sitting there in a bar in the middle of Kenya and that was, that was interesting and then you know living in Israel meeting different people or or just being in my degree field you know it, there's like lots of opportunities that i've i've gotten to talk to people that are anti-god not just not knowing they just they're against everything that jesus has to stand for and and so being able to talk to them about that in a different setting where i'm having to use more uh, apologetic methods based on like science and stuff that, so i mean there's different approaches i've had to use over for sure
0: so uh, the topic for tonight is uh, witnessing. And Creighton, you wanted to kind of differentiate between two different ideas. You want to kind of repeat what, what we're discussing? Yeah, the two different ideas
1: are the difference between um, uh, what, like your personal witness as a thing that is yours, like as a thing, and the idea of being a witness. So the, the action versus um, the, the noun... As a part of you, gotcha
0: yeah we're gonna we're gonna continue by just sharing some of our uh, personal experiences with the action aspect of of witnessing uh, Nick uh, in, in, in in your life, um, I know you've been witnessed too um, and you've witnessed um, anything you want to share about just your own experiences
5: yeah I mean I didn't grow up in the church and I mean I did a little bit but I was never really active, so I never did those things growing up where we went to the mall or went to right. that? But I mean, I got saved. What was it now? Five, seven, eight years ago now. But and since then, there. I mean, every time I have a chance and with my job, I meet new people almost every week, and um, there's just always a chance to. Talk to them because I mean I'm with them with I do a lot of construction work for people yeah and I'm with them for months at a time most of the time so you get to know these people you know, to a personal level so you they always around especially around the south hey what church do you go to that's one of the first things you talk about because deep south most people go to church it's a common point it's a of common, connection and it's, and easy. it's so easy and one of the things that I always do is I mean we always in our work show our work, like, I mean, Jesus would show his work, and I mean, we uh, come in conversations, ask them about if they go to church and stuff like that now I, I,
0: I think it's cool that you have that opportunity as a carpenter, you know, yeah. and, and Jesus was a carpenter, so I, I can attest that you remodeled my kitchen like Jesus would have remodeled. My yeah, <laughs> and that's what I try to yeah, do. Yeah, I remodel kitchens like Jesus. Uh, Larry, uh, so now, I, I want to kind of preface this by... I think there's been a move away from classical evangelism um, in recent years. Um, a, I think people are uncomfortable being approached by strangers. Um, it's not as effective. People don't like people showing up at the dro- their doorstep. Um, co- communities are different in regards to its their, their openness to that. Um, there's, there's witnessing in that classical sense of how we understand it um, was way more popular in um, Probably in the earlier days of your faith, than, than let's say it is now, uh, more organized um, in, in its approach. Anything you want to add or kind of share about your own experiences?
2: Um, yeah, the, as far as the uh, the organized getting out together and going to the movie theater and and uh, you know catching people as they're going in and, and uh, asking them if they know Jesus, um, I've I've never I've never done that. I've never been a part of that. Um, witnessing to me is 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 a little less of that action and, and more of a, uh, more of who you are, uh, you know, more get out of the way and let Jesus do his thing through you. Um, but I would say that as, as far as my experience, uh, what what I've enjoyed doing is, is through work. Um, I built swimming pools for 30 something years. Met a lot of contractors out there. A lot of them uh, are pretty open to to sharing what they're all about. Um, uh, And it's not
0: a very shy group, the concrete
2: contractors of America. Right. Well, and I can tell you, we've uh, we've all put our hands on a on a concrete truck driver's shoulders and prayed for him about what he just (laughs) talked about. Uh, So yeah, that's that's uh, that's the type of thing. The job I have now, uh, I I. I'm around old people sick people um, and uh, and I have an opportunity a lot of times to, to pray for them and encourage them and and uh, uh, just try and be uplifting and I think that's as much being a witness as is uh, anything uh, rather than you know obviously praying and and in the name of Jesus and and talking about you know what God is doing in my life and in their life uh, is a, is a big part of it but I think uh, just, um, just sharing an emotion with somebody that that needs, that needs that that needs that uh, um, uplifting type of uh, situation is as much a witness as, as you know preaching the gospel.
0: Absolutely. So, I had a very unique opportunity um, against most of you guys, with the exception of Larry. You're, you're a little young to to remember. of the full ramifications of september 11th i know you guys remember it i was 18 years old i had just moved from home to bible college i had moved from georgia to southern california um a long way from home when the world was flipped upside down by the events that happened on that day Uh, just it it really rattled like everyone's foundation um societally it, it it rocked everyone's world and um in the weeks that followed, I had the unique opportunity to, on the weekend, uh, a group of us, about 50 or so students from Bible College, we would all load up in, in cars, and we would drive to Oceanside, California. Oceanside, it was just across the hills. Um, again, hence the name, right on the beach. A uh, Unique place, uh, because with Oceanside, again, post-September 11th, uh, just north of Oceanside was Cape Pendleton. Uh, which is the, the main Marine base, and, and there's a massive Muslim population in the area. And so you had there in Oceanside uh, this weird uh, colliding of two different cultures uh, not real pleased with one another at the time. You had a heavy Muslim population and a lot of Marines right after September 11th. And so in the middle of all that craziness, you had a group of Bible college students uh, that went and were sharing their faith. And so we weren't setting up on the corner, you know, yelling at folks, uh, but we were just walking down to the pier, uh, walking along the strand, which was the road that went along the water. And, and we were just talking to people having covered, people had questions. Like, again, everyone was trying to find answers and trying to make sense of everything that was going on. And life seems short and fragile. Again, this window, it only lasted about a month. It wasn't a, a, a a prolonged time, but people were open to talking to you. So if you walked up and said, "Hey, I'd, I'd like to talk to you about Jesus and kind of what's going on in the world," people would actually stop and talk to you. Again, it didn't last long, and, and I got to see—I I really believe—a mini revival, and just that that moment. Uh, at that same time, churches were packed all over the place. Um, it was it was a moment. Didn't last, uh, but it was it was a moment, and and so that was my first experience. Um, I had done witnessing on mission trips and things of that nature and similar youth group experiences where you'd go and, and you'd ask, you know, can I pray for you? Um, but as far as like actual street evangelism, um, it was my first taste of that. And, uh, and it was very fruitful. Again, that window closed and it became very hardened, um, as it is now. Um, but it was, a, it was a powerful, powerful moment in, in my life in regards to the effectiveness of this. Um, I, I do it today way more in a, in a natural format. It's funny, Creighton always jokes that everywhere we go to grab lunch or, or dinner, um, I'm notorious for doing what, Creighton? You're terrible
1: to go to lunch with. Why because we'll we'll go to lunch, we'll sit down, and we'll be there for maybe five minutes until I've lost you to whoever happens to be next to you on the other side, because now you're talking to them about something. The Usually waitress the or the hostess or... I'm oh, yeah, about I'm, anything, and, and then you always turn it back to God, which I think is very admirable, but it's very annoying when you're just you know the
0: shy guy sitting next to you well you're you were the gonna be the shy guy sitting next to me, regardless that's true um you you are kind of like the John to the Peter, you know Peter was the one standing up and, and giving the 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 sermons, and John was kind of sitting there like he's talking again, you know <laughs> that's high praise this is gonna get us in trouble again, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh I, I got to share one more story uh, about, about witnessing and, and I'm going to use this kind of pivot uh, to um, kind of the essence of your question. So I was a youth pastor for 10 years. I had a lot of, uh, a lot of teens go through my youth ministry, whether they were middle schoolers, or high schoolers, um, my ministry uh, to those age groups uh, transcended even beyond uh, our church. Um, i was part of a ministry to, to high school students called the Bible class, um, taught a Bible class, release time Bible class every day for public high school students during the school day. Um, a lot of exposure. It was my heart, my ministry. Jessica and I were, were all in. Had a lot of different kids come through. Um, some, some kids were, um, were with us the whole time, through middle school, through high school, and then they, they kind of stuck, became counselors. Um, Creighton Vaughn, you were one of them. Um, still here. Still here. <laughs> Um, Nicholas, your your wife is, is one of them. Yep. Um, but there was one, one guy in particular, who you all, all know very well, who um, I was his youth pastor, his high school youth pastor. When I started, he was in ninth grade, maybe tenth grade. Uh, he was part of a, of a group we called Man Group. Um, uh, good kid, talked about how um, uh, he wanted to grow up and be a youth pastor one day. Um, his parents were suspect um uh specifically his father uh, very very difficult personality real hard family to grow up in um anyway so this this young man when he graduated high school um kind of disappeared on us um you know got a job started making some money started running with a different crowd um didn't see him much um heard that he wasn't doing all that great that he wasn't going to church I uh, wouldn't have said that he had fallen away from the Lord, but just wasn't walking with the Lord, which broke my heart. But it was one of those things where, you know, the Lord's got him in his hands, and, and he'll come back around whenever it's time. And I'll never forget one night. It was a Wednesday night. We had just finished up youth group. Um, I always stood outside uh, in the parking lot. I would greet the parents, make sure kids didn't get hit by cars um, as they were leaving. And, uh, and I looked down, my phone was ringing. And, and sure enough, I was like, holy cow, it's Kyle Parkin. Uh, Kyle's calling me. And so I turned to the guy that was helping me, Larry, at the time. Uh, a guy we called, we called him Hot Sauce. Different Larry. Yeah, different Larry. Uh, not Spice Daddy, Hot Sauce. I and just, Kyle just commented and said, I'm right here. Okay. <laughs> okay, so well, we know that Kyle's not with us, but he's watching. And, uh, and what was fascinating about, about it is I, I went and I told, uh, I told Hot Sauce, I was like, hey, I got to take this call. Can you make sure kids don't get hit in the parking lot? He's like, yeah, Kyle's calling you, Absolutely. Again, we hadn't heard from him in forever, so walked around the, the side of the church, took the call, and uh, and Kyle, you could tell right off the bat that, um, you know, something with heavy was going on in his life, and and it was he got cut right to the chase and was like, hey, can you meet? I need to talk to someone, and I said, absolutely. You wanna you wanna meet tomorrow? And he goes, no, I I would really like to meet now. I said, let's do it. I said, uh, let's meet at the Waffle House there on one twenty four. It's between you. It's between me. I can meet you there in 30 minutes. He said, that'd be great. So I called Jessica. I told her, I said, hey, hon, I'm going to be late tonight. Don't know what I'm walking into. Went to, to Hot Sauce. It was like, can you lock up tonight? He's like, I got it. You go do what you got to do. So I sat down with Kyle. I met him at Waffle House. And uh, you know, so we, we got into this conversation, which I'll, I'll, I'll leave to Kyle maybe sharing one day if, if he cares to. Uh, but I did ask him. I said, I said how in the world did you get to me like that? You and I are sitting in a waffle house at 11 o'clock at night. Um, You know, your world is falling apart. And and why am I sitting here um, of all of the people? I hadn't talked to you in two, three years. And, and he told me, he said, you know, I, I, I started scrolling through my phone on who I could talk to. And um, my, my phone is alphabetized by first name. And I got all the way to the bottom and it was your name, Zach. And it's a sad testimony that I had to scroll through my entire contacts, but there you were. And I knew you would tell me the truth. I knew you would meet me. And, uh, and to me that that's being a witness, hmm. you know, that's, that's being a witness. Um, long story short, I told Kyle, I said, your, your issue is, is your, your parents, um, <laughs> you should blame them for everything. <laughs> 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 Thank you. You're welcome, Larry. Um, by the way, Larry and Leslie had been praying for their son for for years, every night fervently. You want to talk about <laughs> another example of answered prayers, right? Yeah. Mm. Um, and uh, and so, uh, uh, you know, Kyle I was like, "You you just need to come back to church, man." And uh, I'm doing this thing out at Calvary 316. You should just come and and hang out with us. And he hadn't missed a Sunday, you know, since he. And and you know what? And he's now a youth pastor. Yeah, um, he's an elder of our church, and and. You know, rededicated his life to the Lord and um, just cool things. That's being a witness. Now, again, there's a difference between the activity of witnessing and being a witness. In fact, the Bible doesn't speak much to the activity of of witnessing. Um, Not like it speaks to the, the state of being, of being a witness. I would say that maybe the the one example is um, in Matthew um, chapter 10, uh, where Jesus, after declaring uh, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, he sends the 12, has them partner up, sends them out um, to testify of the kingdom, and that would be a practical witnessing. He'll do the same thing later with 70 disciples. So you have some examples of it. Uh, you could say that the Great Commission, there's an element of that. You know, Jesus sending out uh, Christians into the world uh, to make disciples of the nations, uh, to, to share their faith. Uh, what, what I find to be, to be important about the topic is an example given to us by the Apostle Paul. So the Apostle Paul, again, second to Jesus, probably the most influential uh, thinker, uh, theologian, um, particularly regarding the influence of Christianity. <clears throat> Hard to compete with Jesus. Paul's, a, he's in second place kind of by himself. Made a tremendous impact on on Christian thought, our faith, the spread of Christianity. Read the book of Acts and then read his epistles, these letters that he writes uh, to the churches that he had started, uh, to churches that he planned to, to visit, like Rome. Uh, letters that he wrote to some of his protégés, men that were pastoring churches like Timothy and Titus Um, writes a letter to a runaway slave Philemon Uh, cool stuff the Apostle the Apostle Paul Um, and yet when you read through the book of Acts you know there are a lot of different examples of of Paul um, and and what we might say evangelical strategy um, or different types of witnessing an example would be Paul in Athens you know where he gets more philosophical more scientific Again, a, a, a more pagan society, uh, he takes a different approach than he would with a, with a primarily Jewish culture, which is where he would start in the Old Testament, and he would actually build the case for the Messiahship of Jesus. But what I, what I love most about the Apostle Paul, and you see this really primarily towards the end of his life, but, but nine times out of ten, when Paul had an audience of people that, that he wanted to reach for the cause of Christ... What did Paul always fall back on? Was it theological arguments? Was it uh, philosophy? Was it science or uh, you know creationism? Uh, you know, was it you know an expose of the doctrine of the Holy Trinity? Uh, the expositional constancy of Levin? No, like he. Uh, what did he do? He he just told his story, like over and over and over again. You see the Apostle Paul constantly when he gets an audience saying, hey, this is who I was. Very similar to, to, to D, you and your, uh, your, your arm tattoos. You know, he has this, he, he talks about, you know, I was a, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I mean, I was, a, I was zealous for the law. I was a persecutor of the church. This is who I was. And then on the road to Damascus, I met Jesus. And my life totally changed. And now this is who I am. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. All things have become new. But what does he do? Paul, when he gets the opportunity to what we would call witness, the activity of witnessing, He he simply relays an experience that changed who he was, which gets... Creighton specifically to, to the, the, the topic of conversation. Paul could talk about an experience that he had because he had an experience. And, and this is why um, I'm not a big fan of like conventional evangelical strategies uh, or tracks you know where you go out and you tell other people's stories. Um, the most effective evangelism we find presented in, in the scripture, is first have an experience with Jesus and then tell people about it. It doesn't get more complicated than that. And beyond telling people about it, demonstrate it. Like again, witnessing, like to be a witness, and, and you made the qualification, Creighton, that we have this idea of, of uh, there's a secular idea or definition and a Christian idea or, or definition. Mm-hmm. I, don't really, I don't really think that, that, that the two should be parsed. In a secular sense, what is a witness? A witness, let's talk about it in its legal context, right? You know, if you're trying to convict someone of a crime and you are uh, the prosecution, uh, what do you do uh, to support uh, your position? You call what? A witness. A witness. You call a witness. And it's that witness job to validate um, what case you're trying to make from their personal um perspective their experience and the defense will do the same thing and really whether you're convicted or you're declared innocent uh, depends upon a jury determining wit- witnesses are more credible you know unless there's other evidence of you know um, circumstantial evidence or forensic evidence you know other other contributing factors but if it boils down to it if no one uh, you know if there's an eyewitness that eyewitness has huge credibility and so we call a witness so a witness testifies to what to what they saw, to the experience that they had. And again, within a biblical context, it's the same thing. You are simply testifying where you're living under the influence of an experience that you've had with the resurrected Jesus. Uh, your life is a witness. If you're a Christian, if, if you've experienced, so it shouldn't be hard. That's, what, that's why, you know, when we talk about witnessing and, and people get really freaked out about it or, you know, filled with a bit of trepidation, uh, hesitant about it. You know, it's like well, I think you're misunderstanding what it's about. Like even in the context that you're that you're you're you know, you're at a restaurant and you know you, you get a conversation with a with a waiter or a waitress and maybe the topic of, hey, what church do you go to comes up and, and there might be an avenue of, of conversation. Like you don't have to answer a bunch of questions or get into some theology. You can just say, Hey man, I go to Calvary three sixteen, but let me tell you how that happened. Crazy. You know, Nick, your story. Man, they made me an, an usher, and I wasn't even a Christian. And I'm sitting there on the back row as an usher thinking, what am I doing with my life? And it wasn't some great sermon you taught because you don't do those often. It was just the Holy Spirit in that moment gripping my heart. You know, and, and, and you, have, you have a moment. You have an encounter. You have the Damascus Road, as Paul would say. And then you live like it. Yep. And you're not shy away from explaining, like, what makes you different? What makes you strange? Why don't you behave like everybody else? Where's, where's the basis of your ethics? I think it's, I think it's a shame, honestly. Uh, Christians who are never asked what makes them different by the world around us, um, when there's no reason to ask because there's nothing different. Mm. You know, I, I think what a shame. Now, I'm not saying be goofy for Christ. Uh, you know, don't go out there, and, and you're not like bringing attention to yourself by being an idiot, or like wearing stupid, you know, you know. Jesus <laughs> saves, <laughs> bro. <brand of> T-shirts. <laughs> you know, but but just be, and you'll you'll be amazed at how often someone will ask. Because ultimately, who does the saving, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. and who does the leading, Jesus. the Holy Spirit. And so, if someone comes to you, if someone is searching, Jesus is, they'll be found. And often, who's it by? You know, we're told about the shepherd that that leaves behind the 99 and goes after the one. Who's the shepherd in the analogy? It's you. It's me. Or a practical example, it's Philip in the book of Acts, where he leaves this revival in Samaria to go to a deserted road, a desert road, to minister to an Ethiopian who was what? Searching. So when we talk about witnessing, there is an activity to witnessing, understandably. But witnessing is an experience that manifests into a change of person. Um, I think one of the most profound examples of, you want going to talk about a profound witness presented in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 7, you have the story of Stephen. You guys familiar with Stephen? Mm-hmm. They call him Stephen the Evangelist, right? And they call him Stephen the Evangelist. Uh, you know, Justin, Larry, you, one of you guys kind of relay a little bit of the story. Well, the story of Stephen. Larry, you, you're looking at me. You got it. I'm throwing you on the spot. Yes. All right. So Stephen started as a deacon, correct? Okay. Okay. <laughs> you guys no. are... I guess I'm the one that introduced Stephen, so I'm the one that should probably relay the story. Deacon. Church had needs. Stephen's one of the seven. This deacon, though, he ends up being a servant, man. He's blessing people, taking care of people. He's serving around the church. And then he's going out and he's having these debates with a group of Judaizers, you know, about Jesus. He's sharing his faith. He's an evangelist. They end up arresting him, taking him before the Sanhedrin. He ends up giving this incredible sermon, one of the most brilliant sermons recorded in the New Testament. Goes all the way back to the beginning. Establishes the basis of faith gets to the point where he realizes the, the crowd is not with him, and he just, this Jesus that, you know, that you guys crucified, you know, kind of throws down the gauntlet. And they stone him to death, right? Take him outside the city, stone him to death. But we're told that as they're stoning him to death, Stephen looks up, and what happens? He sees Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, and we're told that his face radiated like the sun. He saw Jesus, and his face shone. Now, how do we have that account? From Stephen? (laughs) No, because he died. We have that account, more and likely, provided to Luke, from a man that was present, a man named Saul of Tarsus, who were told held the coats of those that were doing the execution. Saul of Tarsus would become Paul, and would connect with Luke, who would serve as his personal physician. So Luke gets this account from Stephen and when Paul recounts Stephen, he recounts the story. He recounts the sermon. But what what was, was, what was the greatest sermon that Stephen taught? It wasn't a word he said. It was a glow that he radiated. He radiated the person of Jesus. Stephen was a witness not by what he said, but he did by what he said, but mostly by who he was. He was in the presence of Jesus. Isn't that like God,
3: though? Oh, for sure. It's like... Everybody, you're talking about a unique story. All of us have a unique story. That's the same as everybody else. We encounter one person, but every bit of it is unique. And you know, to the God that formed us in the womb to be a unique individual with unique gifts, and and unique stories that can all point towards <laughs> this one aspect of things. So you're, you're talking about last this past Sunday. You know, the the two blind guys that got healed. Yeah, and Jesus is like, don't don't go tell anybody.
1: <laughs> how do how do you not how, <laughs> how do, you do I not, not tell yeah. anyone? Yeah. And how how
3: is somebody not going right. yeah. how, not to notice? Right. How, not notice? Right. How, not notice? Right. Hey, you can see now. Have you been lying to me? This <laughs> hey, you just around like, that. Yeah, it's it's it. it if you here, been, catch if you <laughs> you <laughs> caught it right. If you've encountered Jesus, there's there should be no way that nobody's not going to notice.
2: Yeah, and that and that witness is is uh is something that's seen and not necessarily said um, when I think the best witness anybody can have is is uh, just putting their trust in, in Christ and and letting Christ be in control of of, of your life and you, you just turn everything over and then the way that you react to situations that you're in uh, just shines Jesus because that's who you put your trust in
0: but I think people are going to
3: ask about it i mean you have, you have to be to, ready yeah, to it. give the, the answer for the hope that's inside well of and you. see well, i think
0: jesus gives us an interesting illustration of this of 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 what it should be he, he, re, he calls us salt which we can talk about but but light you know light shining in the darkness uh, light doesn't have to to work hard to be light but what must it do shine it, and, and it also must be in the darkness and and that's one of the reasons that I, i'm i'm very resistant um, you know, even even combative against those within uh, the Christian world that preach in isolation from the world. Um, as if you know, we're fulfilling the Great Commission by being a bunch of flashlights in the same room. Mm-hmm. Um, what good is that? Um, to be a light, to, to shine, to do what you that natural thing that you're describing, Larry, requires us to go into dark places. Or to be around dark people, um, to be seen, to be noticed. I'll tell you one thing: it.
3: <laughs> I. The past few years, I mean, before COVID and everything, living in China, you know, I. I tried never to miss an opportunity when when a Chinese person or somebody asked me about Jesus, knowing very well that they could be a government spy or something, wanting to arrest me and stuff. But at the same, if somebody asked. Ask you, it's like, I, you have to tell them. It, it's a, you can't. Avoid how can you it. keep that secret? Yeah, how can mm-hmm. I keep it secret?
5: You guys have any anything you want? Well, add I to was going to add something to what he said. One of the first things you said. How about when you start talking to someone, when you start witnessing to someone, you'll realize you're not that much different. We're all mm-hmm. sinners in Christ. We're all sinners of this world. When you get to the core issues of things, when you get to talking with someone trying to tell them your story and stuff it's going to hit them in some way just like i mean with anyone you talk to anyone their your story's going to relate to them and somehow because we all fall short and we all fall short pretty much of around the same but
3: isn't it cool thing. that god prepared you for that moment to talk to that person i know uh, yeah
5: and i mean but that's where i was going at it sometimes it just takes talking and just talking and you'll doesn't he have to start talking about God? Just start talking about anything, and then God's going to lead you to get into that spot. I'll give, you,
0: I'll give you guys a practical thing to do, and, and you guys have probably all been around me when I've done this before, and I didn't learn this on my own. I, I, my dad does this, and I, and I thought, man, what a cool thing. So I, I, I don't do it all the time, but I do it often. It's, uh, you know, when you, when you sit down to eat at, you know, a restaurant, um, okay. you know, with the Lord's prodding and his leading, um, I'll ask whoever's our waiter, you know, Hey, is there any, you know, we were going to pray for our meal. Uh, is there anything that we can pray for you about? And it's amazing. The responses you'll get. Yep. It's incredible. Um, very rarely had, you know, I've never had anybody offended. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I've very rarely, I, I once or twice I've had somebody say, you know, n- no thanks to which it's like, well, now I know I've got a lot to pray for. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> and you're not going to get a tip in the name of Jesus. Thanks you <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm just
2: kidding. The, uh,
0: although that's that is the thing though is if you're going to if you're going to do the strategy and you're going to ask to pray for your waiter or waitress,
2: leave a tip so they remember you.
0: Right. And and then they they open up and they're like, "Well, my kid's sick and and, and the mortgage is running due." Like you got to be ready to meet a need. Mm-hmm. You know? And the most practical thing that you can do is is tip in Jesus name, uh, which is not 20%. Um, I try to make it about 140 percent. You know, if you're going to be bold enough to to ask to pray for somebody, be bold enough to then try to practically bless them in the name of Jesus. Um, I, I think, you know, unpacking that the idea, Creighton. You know, it's easy to say we're to be a witness, and we understand what that means. To let your light shine, to be, to be something, and that's good. And I think that that's a a, a helpful correction to some of the negatives we see with, you know, evangelism. Um, People don't like being proselytized. And and I'm not sure you could build the case anywhere in Scripture that proselytizing is, is really the mandate, that that's what Jesus has really called us to do, is to proselytize people. We're to be witnesses. We're witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus. We've had an experience encountering that resurrected Jesus, and we're to tell people... Uh, about that uh, as the Holy Spirit leads and prods and guides the flip side to it um, while we understand what being a witness is um, there there are times that we should witness and that we should be bold enough to speak the truth to tell our story that's the thing that always drives me nuts is when Christians are like well I just don't know what to say well you don't know what to say what what did Jesus do in your life you know, do you have anything to say? Maybe you and I need to talk about that. Maybe you need to encounter Jesus right now, because once you encounter Jesus, you always have something to say. And take it for Paul, a man who was never short on words, let's be real, and run on sentences. Um, when push came to shove, he didn't fall back on theological arguments. He came back to a story. He said, I was lost, and then I was found. And it changed everything. And the reality is, how do you argue with that story? Uh, no, 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 you weren't. No, 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 I was for sure. I mean, you can say I'm crazy if you'd like, but um, I, this is this is my story. I'm sticking to it, um, and hopefully your your life reflects it. So, I think in a lot of ways, you'll hear a lot of modern Christians like. Oh, the witnessing thing, that's a misconception. We're to be a witness. And a lot of ways, I'm going to say something controversial. It's a cop-out because their life doesn't actually reflect anything. Mm. And it's their way of trying to dodge responsibility. Because, like, let's be real. If no one ever asks you what makes you different, is there anything different? No. No. If no one ever notices, no one ever asks, if there's nothing about you that's any different... You know we, you know Moses spent 40 days with God. Everyone in the camp knew Moses had spent 40 days with God because when he walked off the mountain, he, 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 he had the Shekinah glory of God shining from his face. And I think there's something to be said for that. You see that with Moses. You see it again with Stephen. Uh, we're to be light bearers, but light emitters. So anything you, you guys want to throw this direction before we tap out? We're I got one last be thing. A flashlight. Okay, Creighton. One
1: last thing. Um, it occurred to me when you were talking about people who either don't know what to say or don't don't want to be pushy or you know don't want to don't want to be that guy. Uh, when when Justin was talking about how can you not talk about it, there is an amazing video of um, Kurt Cameron. I, no, doing street evangelism. <laughs> no, of um, uh, I had to throw that in, right? I think I think his name is Pin Gillette. It's the taller guy from Penn and Teller, the, uh, the comedy magician duo, and he's a staunch atheist, but he has this video online where he's talking to the camera and he relates, um, the idea of being a Christian who doesn't evangelize to being someone standing by a street where someone's about to be hit by a car and not telling them. And it is amazing because it's basically what's going on. If you know that everlasting life is possible and you know that someone is going to go to hell and you don't tell them you are in the
0: wrong. So there's a clip that I've, I've shown before. Uh, it was a sermon years back. It <coughs> will close with this, but it hammers home this point. So on, uh, there's a Fox show called the five Greg mm. Gutfeld, who now has his own late night show. Um, he's, he was an atheist. He now claims to be an agnostic, interesting guy. But there was a segment on the show where remember uh, Dylan Roof and the um, the Charlottesville Church, the uh, the Emmanuel Evangelical uh, Church. I forget the exact name of the church, and where that the deranged young man went into a prayer meeting, mm-hmm. mowed down a bunch of people. Yep. Yes. Well, at his sentencing, and this was the segment on this show, they 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 played a clip. Of one of the ladies that had been in that prayer meeting um, on the stand forgiving him, like mm-hmm. looking at him and forgiving him in the name of Jesus. And like just gut-wrenching, powerful. And they they cut back over to Greg Gutfield, whose whose eyes are teary. He's teary-eyed. And and he goes, he goes, I don't get that. He goes, I don't understand how someone how someone could do that, how someone could look a monster in the eye and in the name of Jesus, forgive them after experiencing such horror. I don't I don't I don't get how that's possible. But I want to. And, you know, it just it. But it was to me such a profound example of like that a lady, she's not going out of her way to do anything other than be Jesus. And to look this, this, her friends are in heaven. That young man's on his way to hell. And she wanted to let him know that Jesus loved him and could forgive him and save his soul. And the world looks at it and is like, that's crazy. In fact, that's supernatural. That's not normal. And you know what? Then you have to start asking yourself, well, then where does that derive from? If it's supernatural, if it's abnormal, if you don't have that, then where does it come from? And that sets a person on an interesting quest. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's being a light. That's being a witness. That's also witnessing, you know? Mm-hmm. She's witnessing, but it was a witness. So, great. And any comments, anything pop up on the, the feeds? Um, we had one early in the night that I didn't have a chance for. Well, you want to throw that out um, real fast? Yeah,
1: one, it's one? from uh, Heather from Kentucky. Um, she says that she found you, found us, through from listening through your dad on Through the Word. And that her and her whole church have been praying for you. Oh, and that's that awesome! She was blown away by your Easter message, and she praises God that you're so alive. As do we all, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe not Kyle. He liked being a pastor, <laughs> but uh, he liked being teaching. <laughs> yeah. <by the> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding, Kyle. When I when woke up glad.
0: and got got going and heard Kyle had started, I was like, shoot. I'm gonna have to start another church (laughs) in (laughs) Wine. This is ridiculous. Uh, He's gonna introduce myself as Kyle Parkins, assistant pastor. So I'll say, you know, all of his problems derive from his father, not his mother. Leslie's a wonderful lady. lady. (laughs) I just want to go on the record. I live there, I can absolutely confirm. Confirm. Thank you both. Yes. It was (laughs) any of your kids' problems are direct consequence of you. Mm Mm-hmm. Good
2: job, Larry. As well as their positive.
0: No, aspects no, that, it's 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 their lesser. mom and okay. their pastor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, you've been listening. Yeah, you've been listening to the Outlaw Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, if you're listening on the podcast, check out the live stream Wednesdays at 8 p.m. little programming note. Uh, I will be on vacation next week, so we will not be meeting, but we'll be back the week after. Um, and then we'll be back in kind of the swing of things for... Uh, really the fall so we're excited about that so if you are listening on the podcast check out the live stream eight o'clock wednesday nights if you are watching the live stream check out the podcast available on apple google spotify uh, really any place that you uh, get your podcasts. if you're a podcast listener again you can find all this information by just simply uh, visiting uh, the outlaw radio website outlawradio.org again outlawradio.org once again my name is zach adams so glad you joined me Hope to see you guys in two weeks. God bless.